Hello and welcome aboard our podcast, Fighting Catholic Jetlag. My name is JC and I'll be your host. I'm a flight attendant and I'm on a journey to find my place within the Catholic Church. I'll be accompanied by my friend and co-host, Father Larry Hostetter, priest of 34 years and doctor of sacred theology. He's a Catholic University president and for our discussion, he'll serve as spiritual ground control to keep things on course for our flight back to faith. At times, we'll be navigating through difficult and uncomfortable issues, so prepare for a bit of turbulence along the way. There won't always be easy answers, but no subject will be off the table. If you're ready to explore your own doubts and questions and rediscover your faith with us, then sit back, buckle up, and enjoy our flight to faith. Are you all out there? Hello, hello. <laughs> Welcome to Fighting Catholic Jet Lag. We are back. We're back with Rebecca Zapp and, and Father Larry Hostetter. Glad to have you all with us. Sorry we had a little bit of an interlude. Mm-hmm. When was the last one we did? Um, Just before Christmas. Okay, so we had a Christmas break. Yeah, oh, yeah. So we Christmas just had our break. Christmas break. Um, just because we had a major fall break right before that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Fall and summer break, summer break. but, yeah. but uh, Christmas break and lots of things going on and, and other stuff. And you are still renovating your house. Still. Yeah. We're close. But I was thinking this morning how proud y'all are going to be when they get it done. I know. It's And that you did a lot of the work. Yes. Blood, sweat, tears went into that yeah. thing. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. It's a beautiful old uh, historic home mm-hmm. over 100 years old. 1881. 1881. So that's 100, 120, 134 years. What did you say? 1881? 1881. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's 140 years. Yeah. One years. Uh huh. Wow. That's pretty good, but it's got good bones. Oh, yeah. And solid Rebecca and her husband are fixing it up or doing the renovation job. Oh, yeah. And it's been uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of her American friends are just shaking their head, like, what are you thinking? <laughs> but your British friends are what? Yeah. Like, there is, although the house, when we got it, it was a little extreme for how run down it was. Like, you could, it had no windows on one side and you could see through. You could see outside when you were inside through the holes in the wall. So it was a little more than the typical English reno. But, yeah, like that's what we do. All of our buildings are really old over there. We have new builds, obviously, in some spots, but we renovate. Right. And add on and do all of those things. They don't probably have as many wooden houses the way Mm -hmm. we do. I mean, that's a wood house. Yes. And Yeah, and you all have stone houses, so... Yeah, they're all brick, really. Yeah, so it's probably, they last probably longer that way too, but 140 years is pretty, pretty yeah, good. it's done pretty good. So, we have replaced, we just replaced the porch. That was falling apart. We found a petrified cat under there. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't laugh, poor cat. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been it's been pretty good. We, ha- we have three chimneys though. The brick is in there a little bit. Uh-huh. And we're keeping that exposed, so that'll be nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'll that'll be real nice. You imagine 140 years ago, they would have heated their house. They might have had coal. Yes. Um, probably had a coal bin in the basement. Definitely. 
because when we pulled the ceilings down, it was just black soot everywhere. Uh-huh. And it you couldn't see like your hand in front of your face when we were pulling down the the ceiling. Yeah, so they probably they, they might have had some wood fireplaces, but they probably burned coal oh, yeah. in those fireplaces too. Yeah. I think we found some coal in the basement actually. Did you? We found a little bit. Yeah. Well, that would have been used up until I mean, not, not that long ago. Yeah. Coal would have been the way to heat a house, except you would have had a, probably had a coal burning furnace in the basement. Mm-hmm. And this, when it was built, probably heated the house via the um, fireplaces. Yes. And I could see there's holes in, so there's like circular holes in um, some of the chimneys in two of them where they must have had like log burning stoves or something like that. Yeah. So um, I got to ask you the obvious question, and you may end up deleting this, but, you know, since you are from England, we all want to know your opinion of Spare. Oh, my gosh. I am. Let me see. Do you actually have it? Yes. Well, not the book. I'm audible Um, because I'm listening to it. And he reads it, right? He does. He reads it. It's kind Um, of freaky in some spots from what I've heard. It's uh, some of it's quite surprising how much he shares. Mm-hmm. I've got seven hours left. I'm like halfway through. So somebody was saying that Megan is mad at him because he revealed all sorts of things that she didn't realize he was going to reveal. About them. About them oh. and her. And then, of course, other people are saying that Megan really was the one who wrote it. Oh. I mean, she doesn't get any breaks. Oh, really? But, uh, I've not hit Megan's stuff yet. Oh, okay. We've just done all of Chelsea, his ex girl. Oh, okay. So I don't know away. anything about that. Yeah. Apparently, Chelsea's mentioned in it the same amount of times as Megan's mentioned. Well, and he he's talked about how sad he was when she broke up with him because mm-hmm. she couldn't deal with the press or something yep. like that. Yeah. I don't know how I know about all this. but <laughs> You've been listening. Because <laughs> I've not read the book. I don't intend to read it. But it's like, like it pops up on... Oh, yeah. On feeds all the time. I've heard snippets on feeds. Yeah. yeah. Um, But no, it's actually quite interesting. He's just finished all of the, we've gone through Princess Diana passing, and um, he's done Afghan, and I think he just got back from his second tour, and he's in Paris right now where I'm listening, and him and William just went through the tunnel. They asked their driver to go through. Oh, yeah, I heard about that too. And then they asked him to go through at the speed that Diana went in so they could see like what was actually it was like in those uh-huh. and it was quite moving. Um, huh. I'm actually enjoying it so uh-huh. far, but we don't, I've not listened to the Megan stuff yet. So right. we'll see. <laughs> but it's creating all sorts of stir and controversy and mm-hmm. um, everybody's, everybody's popularity has been hit apparently because of it, including the, the Prince and Princess of Wales. Yes. There's that, even in the early stages, it's, there's a lot about him, his relationship with William and how it's not what you would think it would be. Right. Uh, they just got married. Kate and Will just got married and they're pregnant with their first child in this part that I'm listening to yeah. as well. It seems to me that when they describe it as brothers, I mean, yeah. that's how brothers that's how act, they are. Yeah. you know? So, uh, you know, it doesn't feel like it's very interesting to me because that's what brothers do. They bicker and fight and uh, get on each other's nerves and all sorts of things. Exactly. So do you have any opinions about all this or? Not yet. I feel like I've always liked Harry and I feel like 
when he moved away with Megan, I, I think that respect to him really he was protecting his mm-hmm. wife and that's what a good husband should do. I think that's what I've read a little bit that he was very popular with the British yeah. and has lost a lot of popularity because of all this. Yeah. And you know, and that even Megan was popular and people were looking at, at yes. an opportunity to, oh, this is gonna make a difference. And I thought it, you know, we when the excited. wedding happened and mm-hmm. Charles is the one who walked her yeah, well, walked her in, and uh, I mean, it was a full-blown royal wedding mm-hmm. with all sorts of interesting twists. You know, they had the gospel group that yes, sang at it, did. and the um, the preacher was was African American Episcopalian mm-hmm. bishop, I think. Um, so you know, I thought, oh, this is good sign of, of openness. That, you know, yeah. so I don't know what happened, but and I don't know if we will ever know. The full truth. I'll let you know in the next couple of episodes as I listen. I may find out a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> but who knows? That's just one side That's of the just story. One side, yeah. yeah. Just one we side. need to hear William and Kate's version. And they're not going to say anything. No. Not, they might. Royal, they right? might later. You know, it's like one of those things in 50 years, a, yeah. a little bit of a, let's, let me tell you about what's going on they if they survive that long. We'll see. And you know, there's always talk of the British going to abolish the monarchy, but we don't want to. If you did, none of no. there wouldn't be any of this interesting stuff. Nobody would be paying any attention. I mean, no you Tories know. that like tourism would drop. Like the amount of money that they bring in versus the amount of money that the taxpayers pay. Right. Like you can't even compare. Like they bring so much to England, right? And we have a bit of a loyalty to them, like, right. like our family. Well, everything. then who's going to who's who going to talk about exactly? <laughs> 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 All right, let's get to our our meat. What do we call it? Fish and potatoes? Fish and chips. Fish and chips. And I had some really good fish and chips not too long ago. Where I can't remember. It was in Texas somewhere. Oh, so yeah. not somewhere we can just... No, 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 just lunch. pop in. No. <laughs> uh-uh. no. Um, it's always so heavy, chips. though, fish mm-hmm. and chips. It's like you got to be ready for it. Oh, yeah. You've got to go on a good hike or something to afterward, earn it. And afterwards, you got to <laughs> have something to cut through all that grease yeah when i lived in rome they had it's the same fish i think it's cod isn't it to the cod yeah so they had this deep fried cod that you could buy in this little uh square uh and they call it bacala Mm. and you go in and there's a, a lady with a giant pot of oil and she just pulls it out and wraps it up in a piece of paper yeah and you take it with you and and munch on it outside uh, but it's so, so delicious, but really Bad. probably not healthy no. at all. And then you <laughs> add French fries on top of them yes. or chips. And then you've um, got to have vinegar with them. You've got to put so- like salt and vinegar. The vinegar is the key. On top of the fish. And the chips, yeah. Oh, on the, on the, the chips, which mm-hmm. is, is French fries, right? Yeah. Is the way we, what we would call French fries. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. I don't know if I've ever had vinegar on French fries. Amazing. I've had mayonnaise the way Amazing that they do too. in Belgium. Yeah, I always get mayo. Yeah, I do too. I do. I actually, uh, people look askance at that yeah. here, but yeah, they, they are um, confused by but it. But French fries are actually were invented in Belgium. Oh, yeah. So interesting. They're actually Belgium Belgian, Belgian fries. fries. Yeah. Um. All right, let's get to our fish and chips. Fish and chips and. <laughs> Rebecca had a subject she wanted to talk about, and she's got something. She's got a prop here, which you can't see. 
I brought one. Uh, she brought a chapel veil. A chapel veil. A black lace chapel veil. So, what did you call it? A mantilla? Uh, well, that, I think that would be a mantilla, which mantilla. is the the you know it, at one time, and we're going to talk about it here in a minute. Uh, mm -hmm. Women wore their heads covered in Catholic women in church, and the Spanish tradition was this lacy veil. veil and black for married women and white for unmarried yes. women. Although I, that is not, I, as in doing some research for this, it, somebody presented that as a hard and fast rule, but it really wasn't. That was not a hard and fast rule in the old days. White. Interesting. It might have been in Spain, and it might have been in places where they wore these veils. Mm -hmm. And but this, what, what's your question about it? It's so, very nice. This has got roses on it as well uh -huh. um, for represent Mary, on there, uh -huh. which is kind of nice. But yeah, so I've had this a long time, probably just after I confirmed I got this and I've never worn it in church. And I've even spoken to Father John Thomas about uh -huh. it. Um, and I have it in this little bag, um, so it's nice and safe and keeps clean. I was—I saw it once. I was when I was stood at the front of the church during my process of joining the church. You have to stand up at the front quite a lot at different stages um, in mass. And I remember just looking into the congregation, and there was a lady there, and she had a black veil on. And I was mesmerized by it. I was like, I had so many questions. Like, is that is that Catholic? Where she, like, I didn't know. Never seen them before in the church. Never knew what they represented. I was just intrigued by mm -hmm. this. And it looked beautiful as well. And she was just so at one with God and no, no distraction around her. She was just so focused and like that look in her eye, I don't know, there was just something about it that mm -hmm. just made me want to know more about the veil. So then I started Googling and then I saw that, like you said, with the white for um, mm -hmm. unmarried, black for married, I got myself a black one just to see what it would look like. And I actually got this from, um, there were some nuns online that sell these and they make them, it, uh -huh. they hand make them. So um, and to support their convent. So I thought that was, even if I didn't wear it, it would just be a nice thing to do. Um, but I started looking more into it and I spoke to Father John Thomas about it because while I was intrigued and wanted to try it, I didn't want to cause a distraction in church. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be about me. I didn't want it to be a spectacle thing. I didn't want it to be what it's not supposed to be. And because I've only seen a handful of women wear them in church, and I have actually seen more and more younger women wear them in church since then, but I just didn't want it to be a thing. So I stayed away from it because I didn't want to distract myself or anyone else from why they were there. Mm -hmm. And he said, he told me that there's people that he's met that do wear them. And what they tend to do is they'll come in and once they get into church, then they'll put it on and then they'll sit down and, and then they'll just take it off before they leave. So then it's just for them. No one's like, they're not showing it off walking mm -hmm. around. And so I can, I've considered it, but I've still not had the courage to wear it. And mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it because I've, the reason I want to try it is because I feel like it's a respect thing and it's just a, a reverence. 
And also, for example, when I went to school, I put on a uniform and that puts you in that mindset. Mm-hmm. Like I always wore a school uniform. And when I put on my school uniform, that's I was representing my school. I acted a different way because I was representing my school. My mindset was different because I was ready to learn in that. So I was figuring it would be a similar thing. Mm-hmm. So it would give me that reminder. It's on top of my head. I know it's there. I see it down the side of my face. I know it's there. And it stops me from looking around mm-hmm. at everyone else around me. And I stay focused at the front. And also just reminding me of that. Like I put on that costume and then I become that mm-hmm. person and that mindset ready for church. And it's kind of like that preparation. Mm-hmm. So there's reasons why, but as you say, um, in our conversation before we started recording, there's also reasons why a lot of people are against them. Mm-hmm. We're not against them so much as we're the reason why women don't wear them as mm-hmm. much anymore. I think we can maybe go a little bit over the history. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, up until probably the 70s, I don't have much of a recollection of women wearing veils as a child. So it was already on its way out Interesting. In, in, in the late 60s and the 70s, although it wasn't until 1983 that it was no longer in canon law. Mm-hmm. So up in, in 1917 canon law, I think it was prescribed that women wear a head covering in church, not a veil necessarily, but a head covering. And so, which wasn't, that wasn't a problem back in the days when a, a woman didn't leave the house without a hat. Yes. I mean, you know, all those old movies, right? Yes. Back in the 1800s, everybody had on those giant hats and you didn't leave the house without a hat on. <laughs> um, and, and that was up until the 1960s, you know, and, and hat fashions changed every every decade. In fact, they got smaller and smaller, you know. Mm-hmm. But so women in the 40s and 50s, they didn't put on a chapel veil necessarily. They wore the hats that they had on anyway. That they had on anyway. The, the rule was that a woman's head had to be covered. So they might use a veil. And as I said, that kind of comes from a specific tradition, mm-hmm. a culture, probably more the Spanish culture had a the, the black yeah, mantilla, the, 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 the veil. Um, and um, in, in other parts of Europe, it might have been a different kind of headdress, you know, but women, women would wear a headdress or whatever the fashionable hat was in, in the, of the day uh, to church. And it might have been just a, a cloth or something. And that ended then as, as hats began to disappear. So the veil began, and as hats began to disappear, women started putting on the little, the, the veil because yeah. it was easy. It was something they could put, put in, your purse. In, in their purse. Right. And so it might even just be a handkerchief. Mm-hmm. I remember the story of somebody said, you know, they were going to church and they forgot their veil. So they got a Kleenex out of their <laughs> purse and put it on top of their head. You know, it be, kind of became a rule bound thing rather than, you know, like what you're talking about uh-huh. of really kind of showing some respect and 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 wanting to make this a, a really sacred moment. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it, a lot it, it ended is the same reason why many of the religious stopped wearing veils either is because of the long history of veil wearing, which mm-hmm. we'll get into in a moment, which had more to do with the submission to women under male authority. And in fact, in 1968, there was a uh, some kind of event where women from all sorts of denominations, because it wasn't just Catholic women who wore uh, head coverings. I mean, to this day, you know, the Mennonites and the 
the Amish, the, the women Jewish still way. wear. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and in Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, you still have lots of women wearing veils, uh, usually as some kind of scarf. Mm. It's not a veil so much as it is a scarf. You know, you'll see the, the, in Russia, they'll have the, the, the scarves yeah. around their head and they would never go into church without putting that on, but it's not like the lacy, lacy veil. Um, and and so there was a movement in the '60s uh, when the when feminism started to grow of let's get rid of all of our veils because of what they symbolize. And so there was a day I can't remember what it was called where they all got together and they burned their head coverings, church head coverings. <laughs> and in fact, the the tradition of wearing a hat or a head covering in the Catholic Church continued. Even when I was a young priest in the 80s, on Easter Sunday, mm. um, women and girls would wear an Easter bonnet, yeah, an Easter hat on Easter Sunday, mm -hmm. you know, so they'd have a special hat for Easter Sunday. You don't see that at all anymore. No. But when I was first ordained in 1987, there were still a few people that that did that. And then it, it kind of disappeared, too. And there was actually a movement in the 70s of... Uh, getting rid of the Easter bonnet because it's connect of its connection to women being veiled in church. And so there was one day where women left their Easter bonnets on the altar rail as a, as a sign that they, they, they would not put up with this oh in, anymore. Gosh. So protest. you and other younger women today mm -hmm. are wearing it maybe for different reasons. Although I think that I was reading an article. I think there are some traditional women, mm -hmm. uh, who maybe still like to attend the traditional Latin mass that we still wear it for the, the original re reasons. And so I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about the, the history of that led yes. to the, the feminists saying no, but maybe now we're seeing a, a rebirth. Exactly. And I think it's, there's a big difference of when it's choice versus it being pushed up to mm -hmm. you. And I think that's, we have the freedom of that now right. where it's that choice of doing it. But I, so I'd be intrigued to know what the women that would have rejected it then would think about the younger generation embracing it now. But often when younger people bring back traditions that older generations have abandoned mm -hmm. for various reasons, they don't understand. No. You know, it's like, I, why? Why? We fought so hard yeah. to get rid of that or we fought so hard to overcome overcome this but it's it's sometimes it's a it's a totally different reason so for example the priesthood um the cassock which is the long the white, black robe the black. Yeah. that priests would wear as part of everyday garb um was pretty common in parishes you know up until the 1960s and 1970s when priests started moving more just to you know slacks and a, a clerical shirt mm -hmm. um and a lot of older priests were ab abandoned the cassock because of what it symbolized. It, you know, it symbolized an authority and, you know, um, a kind of a, a, a medievalism and a rigidity. And they didn't want they didn't want the modern church to have to represent that. Wow. So uh, even back in the 80s, when I was a young priest, um, there was kind of a movement to say, OK, maybe we can wear a cassock for different reason mm -hmm. uh, you know maybe it's just part of one's spirituality or it it's it's a sign it's a positive sign rather than a negative sign mm -hmm. a lot of the older ones were like why would you do that yeah 
you know, and it's because these things are powerful symbols. In fact, the chapel veil or the head covering is a sacramental in the church. You know, sacramental is like a medal or something like yeah. that that uh, you, you, that you use as as a prayer. So what you were describing is 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 perfectly acceptable, I think. Mm -hmm. As our clerical attire and 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 uh, uh, cassocks would be a sacramental as well, but those are powerful symbols. And if something symbolizes oppression to you, and then the next generation takes it up, and they have a different understanding of it, that's where you see a generational conflict sometimes that I'm not sure can be overcome. I think that's where the older generation just sh kind of shakes their head and goes, you know, I don't understand that. But so, like, I'd never want to offend anyone if I wore it either. because. That I, that may be a thing too. Like someone might be offended by it because, they, like you say, they fought so long to not do it, and it was forced on them. Really. Right. So then they. Well, it would be kind of interesting because you're a relatively progressive Catholic in some of your views, and uh, that's typically not associated with uh -huh. wearing a chapel veil. Um, so you know, this is a new day. So. Why not if that's what somebody wants to do? Mm -hmm. uh, but in all likelihood, if you were to wear one in church, people would probably judge you as being a traditionalist Catholic, mm -hmm. as somebody who wants to go back to pre-Vatican days. You know, yeah. So you'd have to not care what other people think. No. And that's it. I don't really care so much of what people think of me in that side. Because like, I know, like... and anyone that knows me knows my views on things and how I am and such. So it's not really that it's more of a, a distraction in that moment mm -hmm. that I didn't want to happen. Right. So like, I didn't want to take anyone away from why they are right. there. You know, that's really, and that's a fair thing because sometimes those things can be distractions, you know? So there are some people, for example, that insist that when they receive communion, they kneel, mm -hmm. you know? So, it stops everything. They they kneel down. It changes the rhythm and the flow yeah. of giving out communion. I personally don't ever have a problem with it because that's what somebody wants to do. I don't do it. Uh, I don't get it, but I don't I don't object to it either. Um, but it does that. Every, everybody's attention is yes. drawn drawn to that instead you know? of the eucharist in front right, of them right yeah <laughs> yeah and so the bishops have said when before you receive communion you should bow mm -hmm. but some people want to genuflect you know and again that's drawing attention to them rather than and and so for that reason it can be disruptive and i, I suppose a veil could be as well depending on where you're at i think in some places it might not be as distracting as other places you know mm -hmm. if you ever were to go to more a conservative church or something like that, there probably would be lots of people that other people that would be wearing it as well. Yeah. Um, I know one time I went to a traditional Latin mass just to see what, you know, what everything was about. I never really experienced it as a kid. And uh, uh, almost all of the women were wearing wow. uh, veils because that's part of the Latin mass. The, that Latin mass and also the culture. I think we can maybe talk about that in a different episode because it might follow well to this one. Yeah. As uh, to talk about that and and uh, uh, look at that a little bit more carefully. And what, because recently uh, Pope Francis made some news on that last year. 
okay. uh, with restricting the ability to do that. But to the, the chapel veil, of course, in the Old Testament, even as far back as Genesis, there is mention of being veiled mm-hmm. um, for modesty reasons, for hum- humbling, humble reasons. And then, of course, there's the famous passage in the New Testament from uh, 1 Corinthians. Yeah. And let, let me look that up. We might have, all right. Books of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 11, 4. Okay. Full through 16. All right. So it, this is from 1 Corinthians, and it is uh, Paul is dealing with problems that are emerging in the liturgy. Think people are doing some things that he doesn't approve of. And so, well, look who, look who came to work. Hello. I'm record, I get here like. <laughs> <laughs> you can be part of the conversation if you want. Yes. Oh, gosh. What's the topic? Chapel veils. Chapel veils. Oh, I heard you're kind of into them. I'm intrigued by it. Okay. I've never worn it in church because I've of everything. Like I'm like, oh, will it be a distraction? I don't know how I feel about it. But I just like, like I said to Father Larry's, like when I went to school, I wore a uniform and it just put me in a different mindset. I was ready to learn. I was representing my yeah. school and. It's this got is... much more misogynistic origins. Yeah. But... Well, yeah. So when you when he would tell me you were interested in them, I was like. Interesting. I guess, guess I'm always some, associated. Some brides won't wear veils. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not wear a veil. Interesting. For that reason. Because oh. of the, the, the veiling of the bride was she belongs to her husband, and he's the only one who gets to see her. I did it more for my overall look. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's why most, that factored in. But most, right. That's why most wear a veil. It's because yeah. it's fashion. It's not yeah, it's fashion. Yeah. But it has a meaning. Oh, yeah. You know, originally when they come in, they were fully covered, you know, uh-huh. so you couldn't see. And then only the husband is the one who lifted up the veil. Yeah. Whereas now it's just like a clip on the back of the bird. Yes. Or like, you don't even yeah. put it on your face, do you? Can I see it? Yes, yes. So uh, Dr. Laura McQuarrie has joined us. She may have some insights. And she is now looking at uh, Rebecca's uh, chapel veil. And I, I mentioned uh, earlier, Lauren, that this is part of probably more from a specific culture. But in the 40s and 50s, women wore whatever hair hat mm. was fashionable, you know, because oh, yeah. hats, people wore hats up until the sixties. Women wore hats up until the sixties. Mm-hmm. You didn't leave the house without a hat on. And uh, so. It's just my grandmother. My mom still has her hats and they're so. You look so old world. <laughs> <laughs> Very classic. Um, yes. Yeah. And it's got the roses for Mary. It was actually made by some sisters. Really? Yeah. It's beautiful. I made it. But um, I've had it maybe six months long, maybe longer. And I've just not, like I've I've even spoken to John Thomas about it. And I was just like. What did he say? He said, the fact that I'm there asking him these questions just shows that I'm not doing it for attention. Right. So I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to end up, I think, coming to the conclusion if somebody wants to wear it for the right reasons, they should. And even if they want to wear it for other reasons, they should. It's really a personal thing, but don't create a scene. That's it. And don't make other people feel guilty. About not. For not wearing or for wearing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's kind of what we have been all about with this podcast is say, let's yes. not shame people. Yeah. Let's just accept them for who they are. Mm-hmm. And the church is a big church and people can, but I do think it's important for people who choose to wear it, that 
we understand the history yes and so that they know what their reasons mm-hmm. are um and how others will might perceive it yeah, have those yeah. Exactly. and what's interesting about the history when you look at the history is um it's a bunch of men <laughs> saying why women should wear yeah the of course i mean that's is. the history so change. well and, and so I, I was thinking about that this morning as i was preparing for this i was thinking you know and so here i am a man being asked to comment on it which is why i say if you want to wear it wear it if you don't want to wear it don't wear it but don't shame and other people either way in either direction but it kind of goes back to saint paul so we are said that there there's talk of it in the old testament obviously in the jewish religion Mm -hmm. men and women were veiled Mm -hmm. during prayer i mean men jewish men always wear something on their head yeah even more yeah we'll wear yarmulke or a hat Mm -hmm. um and orthodox women cover their hair either with a cloth or with a wig um so it's not their natural hair really yeah so they're that, that's that. yeah that's actually a, 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 a kind of an interesting thing isn't it but anyway here's what saint paul writes and again as we said earlier there were some problems at at, at the mass as uh-huh. they celebrated back then um, and he says, I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man and a husband, the head of his wife and God, the head of Christ. Any man who prays or prophesies with his head covered, brings shame upon his head. So men shouldn't pray with their head covered. And that might've been an anti-Jewish yeah. sentiment there. Um, or not anti-Jewish, but a, in opposition to what you had to distinguish. Uh, and any woman who prays or prophesies with her head unveiled brings shame upon her head, for it is one and the same thing as if she had had her head shaved. Um, for if a woman does not have her head veiled, she may as well have her hair cut off. But it, but if it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut off of her head or her head shaved, then she should wear a veil. I'm not sure about the logic of all of that, but you know. <laughs> A man, on the other hand, should not cover his head because he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is in the scriptures. No comment. <laughs> <Spoils> it. <laughs> for man did not come from woman, but woman from man, nor was man created for woman, but woman for man. For this reason, a woman should have a sign of authority on her head because of the angels. Woman is not independent of man or man of woman in the Lord. Okay, so there's lots of things you could unpack for that, but that is the foundation then for later requirements that women cover their head when they pray or mm-hmm. prophesy in church. It's interesting that mm-hmm. both men and women prayed and prophesied in church. So in this instance, women were not told to be silent. They could pray and prophesy, but they just had to have their head covered. And so the idea as was developed in later theology and in St. Thomas Aquinas kind of talks about this. Before we get to Thomas, uh, there, there's a really good article about all of this in Wikipedia. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, so you, you all might want to take a look at it. But one of the early uh, apologists, Tertullian, he was a, a father of the church, talked about it. Like I said, these are all men talking about it. Apparently, this rule of women were wearing veils was sometimes kind of not followed as strict as one of these church fathers thought it should be, they said it should be an opaque covering. 
So this would not work in the early church because oh. it's a lace covering. She can see so, her. Yeah, so it should be an opaque covering. But um, Tertullian goes on um, about, uh, it, was, it wasn't Tertullian, it, who was it? About women who were taking advantage uh, and using other means of covering their hair. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they would... They, they would have a bandana or something, and he says, "No, it needs to be a veil, and it needs to be fully covered. It needs to not be see through." Excuse me, um, and uh, uh, I can't, I can't necessarily find it, but you can find it in the article. And there was another one who even talked about women who didn't wear veils were going to go to hell. Um, that it's this guy had this vision of hell, and and these women were going through these horrible. Uh, tortures and there were some that were being hanged up by their hair um and it's because uh they went about the world bareheaded wow you know so that's 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 the the view of the of the ancient world yes. is that you know this was this was something that was um uh definitely required and essential to being a Christian. Of course, then the Middle Ages came along and everybody wore hats or, or head coverings in the Middle Ages. And so that's what they just kept on. They didn't wear something different when they went to churches that, that they did when they went about their, their daily business. Um, but let me see if I can find this quote from Thomas Aquinas. We might need a second here. It is funny, though, when I do see it in church, it is always the younger generation that are wearing mm -hmm. them. Now, yeah, you see them in church. Yeah, Can't I've seen them. a few like all younger women though, or like I've seen them with the white veils, mm. um, and they they were like teens. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. it's it's funny that like it goes generation by generation. That you have one generation that rejects it, and then the next generation mm -hmm. takes it on, and then it just. So like my kids, if I wore it, would be like, I'm not wearing a veil. Yes, an act of rebellion almost. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. It's cyclical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's this, the National Organization of Women began an Easter bonnet protest. <laughs> Six women in Milwaukee Catholic Church took off their Easter hats and placed them on a communion rail. <laughs> they left them at the altar and were like, we're done. <laughs> what, what years are we talking about? What decade? What? time frame for what when you're talking about the rebellion yeah like 60s 70s? The 60s and 70s late yeah. late 68 i think is what i had said earlier here we go all right ready mm -hmm. uh so uh in, in the middle ages thomas aquinas i'm just going to read this said that the man existing under god should not have a covering over his head to show that he is immediately subject to god but the woman should wear a covering to show that besides god she is naturally subject to another so that's why the rebellion in the yeah. 60s is that that's the tradition that that flowed out of that a man didn't this is aquinas taking what paul had said the part that i read earlier taking it another step that if if you were a man you should pray bareheaded because christ was directly above you but if you're a woman you should have your hair covered because the man was above you and christ above him so there was another it just symbolized that additional level. Now, also in that history is the idea that uh, of modesty 
and humility, mm -hmm. you know. So only the husband should see a woman's hair. And there are other religious traditions that Still, practice yeah. that, that mm -hmm. same idea. Um, and that it, it it's not something you just share with the whole world. Because as also scriptural, you know, that woman's hair is her crowning glory. Um, and so, but that again implied possession, mm -hmm. you know, that this is, is belongs to the man. It can be interpreted differently. It's like, it can also be interpreted in a more intimate, you know, love relationship and, yeah. and, and which I think more modern women probably, probably do, but coming out of the middle ages when it was more clearly understood that, you know, the, the father gave away his daughter yeah. to another man, which is, you know, the, the giving away of the bride right. still today doesn't have the same meaning, but it did certainly at, at one time. And, and we know it's true. I mean, people can say that that's not true. We know it's true because mm -hmm. women didn't have property rights. Mm -hmm. They, they depended on men for everything. I mean, it's just legally, culturally that that was true. So with the sexual revolution and the emergence of feminism, again, as I've said earlier, in the early 60s or late 60s, there was, you know, in all, not just Catholic churches, in other churches where they wore head coverings in church as well, you know, they said, we need to do away with this because it's it's contrary to who God made us as equal mm -hmm. to men. Um, so even then into the 80s, I remember there was a movement, even First Communion kids, that there were some parishes that did not allow the girls to wear chapel veils for First Communion. Oh. Uh, and, and there's some that don't. You know, they could wear flower wreaths yeah. and things like that because of its connection to, to that. Uh, and even today, there are some brides that will not wear a veil because of what it symbolizes. And it's, again, it's the husband to whom this person belongs, and he's the one who gets to uncover mm. her. And um, of course, it doesn't mean that for everybody mm -hmm. today. Yeah, you know, right. veils nowadays are just often fashion. Yeah. It's about fashion and the tradition. I So I think if people understand that, where it started, where it came from, and people wanted to assign a different meaning to it, mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with that. I, it's really not for me to say. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's mm -hmm. not. Um, and the church hasn't weighed in uh, on this. You know, yeah. I, I do think that some people criticize some who wear veils, just as there's some who wear veils who criticize people who don't wear mm -hmm. veils. Mm -hmm. I don't know why we as a church can't just accept, uh, accept that there are different yeah. ways of. Each to their own. Because if you go to Eastern Europe, it's still very common for mm. women to wear head coverings in church, not not a chapel veil the way you have but it, a hat. but at some kind of shawl, usually a shawl or a scarf, mm. um, which would be not unusual at, at all. Um, so, but in, in our Western world, it's it's not common for a number of reasons anymore. So, in England, the Church of England, especially when. It's a wedding. We always say, well, you better get your hat ready because you always wear big hats to weddings. And that's probably where it comes from, isn't it? Like Pro the head covering thing. Yeah. Of course, it, England, they're much 
like to wear hats yeah. for different occasions, like and I think we only wear hats, <laughs> oh, hats. for the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Do you remember? I don't know if you were here part of this conversation that uh, when you always wore a hat at Easter time, mm -hmm. an Easter bonnet. Mm -hmm. God, Nobody yeah. does it anymore, but probably when you were a kid, I bet. Yes, your the mom Easter still bought dress, you. little Easter gloves, oh. and a little Easter hat. Did your mom have a wear get a hat for herself? I don't remember her wearing one. Yeah. I don't, but I do remember. But again, it's so cute. It's a glove. But you were born in yeah. the nineties. Mm, yeah. 80s. <laughs> 80s, <okay. laughs> early eighties. Well, early eighties, really? Yeah. Uh, this is interesting to me because I've never really thought about it in depth. You know, mm -hmm. to me, it's always been when I saw. I don't really remember when I've seen somebody in church with a veil in a long time. Really. Yeah, I've seen it a lot at St. Stephen's. Really? Yes. And I think that's where it's come from, this intrigue, is I've never really thought about it myself. And then I was like, why are these women wearing veils? Yeah. And then just more and more looking into it. And then I, I know, obviously, the original background of it all and the history, but if you put a different meaning to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because there may be different meanings, but a lot of, uh, I was reading an article, again, preparation for this, where they interviewed women, young mm -hmm. women and men, because millennials are seeming to be the ones that are yeah. picking this up again. Interesting. And uh, they asked them why and what what's the significance. And it, in large part, it was still, I want to show that I'm a traditional Catholic, that I still believe in the traditional values. Huh. And in fact, they interviewed some men and they said, I look for women who wear a veil in church because I want to marry a woman who I can boss around. <laughs> who has traditional values. I'm just teasing. Which I'm may be big mustard. I'm not I do not judge that. I wouldn't want to be judged for not wearing it. And I wouldn't judge but them for wearing it. That is why some wear it. And and the consistently it was I want to show it's for modesty and and that I'm mm -hmm. called to purity. Um we've talked before in this podcast about how the notion of purity can sometimes be mm -hmm. crippling for some people as they uh, strive for an ideal that can't be mm -hmm. achieved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, except with grace, perhaps. But, you know, people have different reasons. And like Lauren said, not, we shouldn't necessarily judge those reasons. Mm -hmm, right. We don't have to agree with them. Yeah. Um, but it, that's okay yeah. too. But I'm interested in, because I've seen on social media, several younger women talk about how meaningful it was to wear a veil. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting. And, and they don't always go into the reasons why. So there may be, you may be creating a revolution, Rebecca, in having... Yeah. A completely different reason for yeah. being veiled in mm -hmm. in church or wearing a hat in church mm -hmm. Be again, because the veil is probably relative. It's interesting, relatively modern, mm -hmm. because in the days before Vatican II, when everybody, all women wore something, it usually was the hat of that that they would have worn. You know, they wouldn't have put a veil on top of their hat. Yeah. Their hat would have been the, their, their head like, covering. Interesting. Mm -hmm. But the veil's new. So are you going to try it? I might try it. 
I think I might try it like the 7.30 a.m. mass. Like, there's like five people there or something. Yeah. <laughs> Sit at the back and just see how it feels. But I want to I experience it and see what it's like. But if it's part of your spirituality, yeah. you know, I think it, it, it could be... It could be meaningful, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. You know, some people still get dressed up for when they go to church mm-hmm. on Sunday. You know, it's like some people just wear whatever they're wearing during the week, and other people it's like, no, it's Sunday. You gotta, yeah, you gotta dress up. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't, you know. And again, not not judging one way or the other, but that is meaningful mm-hmm. uh, to some people, you know, that they don't want to just wear. What they would wear all the time um, mm-hmm. on Sunday, they would put on a suit or you know yeah. an outfit of some kind. Your Sunday best, right? Kind of do business casual, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind dressing. I think you know at Brescia with with the college mass. If they're there, oh, we're the excited, best. right? You know, but I'll still dress my family mm-hmm. up. But I think that's more equal. But when I guess like the veil. I don't know. I just, I don't have an issue with it. It just doesn't fit with me. Yeah. But it does with other people. Yeah. And I understand. I mean, technically, if you're going to a traditional mass, I, I guess a ball cap would be yeah. a way of covering your head. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I could not wear a ball cap in church. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm being so judgy. No. I, I couldn't either, though. I don't think yeah. I. Yeah. But would you wear like ripped? jeans and a t-shirt and uh-uh. then put a chapel veil on top of that <laughs> no you know because I've, I've mm. actually seen that it's kind of it, it's very discordant it's yeah like, okay <laughs> wait a minute what are you what are you signaling here yeah. and maybe that's okay too yeah. you yes know? yes yeah, it's like i would never go to church. i'm always i have church clothes but mm-hmm. i do wear them at other times as well it's not just they are only church clothes right. mm-hmm. but then more like a higher neck and i mm-hmm. make sure you know things like that because mm-hmm. i'm not going to go in exactly so i think that's the same thing in a way is like i guess i t- keep taking it back to school but it's like that uniform that putting yourself into that mode or that outfit mm-hmm. that's and i just think that's probably more of an extension of mm-hmm. that a bit more i kind of see it like the gym so you see these bodybuilders who are there every day and working out and you see the people it's their new year's resolution trying it's like don't judge me i'm trying yeah so if they are in church no matter what is on their physically on their body oh yeah i mean they may not know the prayers they may not they may be dressed up they may have a veil but they're all there and that's the kind of church that i would want to be at yeah I'm glad I came in. I learned something yeah, new. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'm excited for you to try it. I want to well, and you know, maybe enough fight. time has passed. Maybe we needed that time in, in mm-hmm. the late 60s, 70s mm-hmm. till now because of the association of it with more of an oppressive mindset and culture. Maybe it needed to be put in the back drawer for a while so that people could rediscover it and make and, it their own and give it new meaning yeah that is more consistent with where we are culturally today mm-hmm. yeah i think so like because i'm coming in at, like i say i'm only almost a year in now but I'm, i came in and that was just a new thing i've not got all of the back information mm-hmm. and not seen it go through my family or anything like that so i guess it's mm-hmm. coming yeah. in, into it with fresh eyes really 
I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I have seen some women around my age. I can think of a couple who I respect, who I have seen wear one. Oh, really? I, I'm not, I don't, we don't go to the same church, so I've just seen it here and there. But well, You should just get the that. most fashionable hat you can find because that would be I more mean, you than a veil. I know. Yes. I know. I would love a cool hat. Big one. Yes. Maybe just something. Tinted. Like a side one. Yeah. My mom has some cool ones from my grandma when they used to wear them. They're like, so you barely even want to hold on. Oh, my gosh. But Lulu's going to wear one tomorrow. So good luck. <laughs> That's what, I mean, you watch those old uh, sitcoms and things where the wife was wanting to buy a new hat. Yes. And uh, um, uh, the husband didn't want to give her the money to do so, but she was a hat collector. I mean, people yeah. collected hats, yes. you know, and the boxes, and yeah. you travel with your hat box a and hat everything. Box. I know they're in hat boxes. Oh my god! Like, it just feels like you're walking back in time. All right, so we've dealt with veils today. Mm -hmm. uh, should we say a prayer? Yeah. You got one? No. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> say one from the heart, Father Larry. All right, let's just say a prayer. Well, I think I, I'd like to pray for all those people that have been involved in all the shootings we've had this last week. Mm -hmm. um, merciful God, we ask you to help us to become a more peaceful people, um, a people who respect human life, uh, who respect the rights of others to exist without fear, without intimidation. Lord, bless those who were involved in the shootings of this past week. For those who died, grant them eternal rest. For those who survived, quick healing. And for their families, consolation. Help us to be the best that we can be in all that we do through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. This podcast is ended. No, you say that. This podcast is ended. And then, no, 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 you say that. I say that. <laughs> this podcast is ended. Go and love as you have been called to love. And then long live the God save the king. God yeah. save the king. Yes. Yes. A high five. High five. See y'all next week or whenever. Yeah. <laughs> See y'all. <laughs>